0: And so I have a a wonderful word for us today. I feel like the Lord has been sharing. And I wanted to start out uh, just with a few photos from a trip that we took recently. And uh, I was chatting with Marilyn uh, before the service, and she said that she was watching us on Facebook. Sorry, Marilyn, I didn't ask your permission to share this. I hope it was okay. Uh, And she said she felt like she was in Hawaii with us. Because uh, every couple days while we were on our trip to Hawaii, we posted on Facebook all the adventures and the things that we were doing, and we were just so blessed to be there. Our first week was really a vacation for our family, but the second week, and the, the purpose of us going to Hawaii, which other than just like going to Hawaii, but the main purpose was to go and see Alicia and Nathaniel Baldock. And they are our missionaries here from Gateway Church. Alicia grew up in this church family, and she's been a part of YWAM as a missionary for 15 years already. And this was the first pastoral visit that she had had. And so we were so blessed as a family. My husband, Dwayne and we took our two girls, and we got to spend the week with Alicia and Nathaniel at uh, the YWAM base, which YWAM uh, stands for Youth with a Mission, if if you're not familiar with that ministry. And they have this base in Kona that is just breathtaking. I mean, one, it's in Hawaii, yes. But two, it's just breathtaking how they have sought God. They have heard God. They have listened to God. And then they have obeyed him. And the fruit is this incredible place that uh, disciples and teaches and trains and equips people and sends them out to the nations to share the gospel. And they do that through tangible things like helping people one-on-one with their needs and praying for people and believing for people and, and through all of that, sharing the gospel. Well, I have a few photos I wanted to show And the first one there, there's two. The first one is Alicia and Nathaniel. If you're not familiar with them, they're just such a beautiful couple. And there are two little guys there, Liam and Asher. And uh, just really quickly, Asher, he just turned four months old. Well, he had a special bond and connection with my husband. Uh, Dwayne would walk in the room, and Asher would start talking and just light up. Like, he just loved him so much. It was really sweet. We were actually at a restaurant, and Dwayne was, like, snuggling Asher and, like, you know, giving him kisses on his neck and stuff. And this guy came across the restaurant to ask Dwayne about his grandson, and he said, well, no, it's not my grandson. So then the guy, I think, was a little flustered, like, oh, is that your son? <laughs> and he said, no, no, not related uh, by blood, but in the Holy Spirit, and just, like, love this family. And we also got to just love on Liam. We bought—he was obsessed with balls Everywhere we went, this kid could find a ball. Like there'd be like a bush and he'd find a ball in the bush. Like God really loves this kid because everywhere he went, there was a ball for Liam to play with. And so on our last day, uh, we bought him a little Tykes basketball hoop so that he could just be playing ball uh, all the time. And, and he pretty much was uh, until, uh, until we left. So uh, the other picture there is just Dwayne and I in front of um, their, this kind of area is actually, like their outdoor but it's like their their big worship kind of area and then the next slide shows you some pictures of the classroom so the first one there is a tent and so Dwayne and i actually got to sit in on some of their classes some of their second year program classes and trinity got to sit on some of the um, first year discipleship training classes and that was pretty awesome So that's the classroom, this big, beautiful tent. It's all like open air. And then if you just turn a little bit, the second picture, that's the view from the classroom. So I don't even know how you're paying attention to the teacher, right? Like that's the view, and you can watch the cruise ships go by, uh, and all of that land that you can see there that's in front is is, uh, all a part of the YWAM campus there. It's just phenomenal. The next photo is, the worship, and uh, I actually recorded some of the worship because, man, it was just like heaven on earth, and uh, a huge, again, like this open-air building and just this incredible worship with... Hundreds of people, I don't know, maybe there was like a thousand, I'm not good with that kind of thing, but there was a lot of people that were there, and then the other photo is our family on our last night with Alicia and Nathaniel uh, at the beach having, having supper together as the sun set, and so we were so blessed. So blessed to represent you, so blessed to take the book of encouragement and prayers and just honor and bless and love Alicia and Nathaniel, and they really felt your blessing. They felt your support, and so uh, it was just such a great time with them. Now, what we noticed, so many things we noticed about Alicia and Nathaniel and their godly character. These are stellar people that are representing us in the mission field, Let me say that. These are stellar people that are out representing God in the mission field and bringing kingdom of heaven here to earth. Like, these are incredible people with discernment. And what I really noticed about YWAM, the organization, the structure, the people, and Alicia and Nathaniel, was that they are so focused on listening to God, hearing from God, and obeying God. That's the focus. Hear God, right? Listen, hear, but not just do those things, but now obey him in the things that he has shared with you. And I was so touched by that and so inspired in my own life, right? Like, how good am I at listening, hearing, and obeying God, I think it's probably something we could all share in saying, yeah, I want to get better at that. Like, does anyone here want to get better at listening, hearing, right, and obeying God? And that's, that's the testimony of what one of the things that I really picked up from them. Because we know that there's a lot of voices out there, right? There's a lot of voices that are clamoring for our time right a lot of opinions there's a lot of books there's a lot of christian books right there's a lot of opinions out there there's a lot of websites there's this information highway that's out there right and how good are we at listening to god to hearing him and then acting out on those things he's told us to do right And so we're going to take a look at this passage from Ephesians 5. And Ephesians is like my favorite book. I just, I love the book of Ephesians. There's so much in there. And I love how Paul is speaking to Christians in this passage that we're going to look at today. Now, I want you to know that the church of Ephesus wasn't some, like, backwoods church that only had, like, five people in it, okay? This is a bustling, growing community of believers that are faithful and just passionate about following God, okay? So they're kind of like you, all right? So just imagine that. Just have that mindset. That is your framing tool as we read this passage, okay? So we're going to jump into verse 8. It says for at one time you were darkness but now you are light in the Lord and I'm already like pause just stop right there just stop right there like it says for at one time you were darkness right those are the words you were darkness but now you are light in the Lord. And this isn't talking about your deeds. This isn't talking about your actions, your behaviors. This is talking about your identity. This is your identity. You once were darkness. You were darkness, but now you are light. There's been a transformation of identity. You see, Paul doesn't say we were once in darkness, Right? That would be different. Because then it would be about behavior and actions. But he says you once were darkness because it's all about identity. That's what he's saying to you here. You were once darkness itself. Darkness was your identity. Because we were separated from God, right? Before we knew God, we were separated from him by darkness, by sin, by our flesh, by immoral behaviors, right? We were once darkness. But now we have Christ, and we are light in Christ. You are now light in the Lord. And this is the powerful work of the cross for every single one of us, right? We know Jesus, right? He lived sinless. He died a perfect man. He laid in a tomb for three days, and then he resurrected to full life. He defeated sin and death, right? And now he's resurrected to life and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he has all authority over heaven and earth, and it is concrete. It is absolute. In a world that says your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth, sorry, I don't agree. This is the absolute truth. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, died, rose again, and is at the right hand of of God the Father, right? That is absolute truth. It's concrete. It will never change. Doesn't matter what you do, what I do, what the world does, what the world says. That is absolute truth. You are light in the Lord. Why? Because Jesus is your source. Because he has overcome death. Through the power of the cross. And now because of that authority, you are inherited in and you are light in the Lord. I want you to say, I am light in the Lord. Okay, so that's our identity. We are no longer darkness. We are light in the Lord. And honestly, if that's the only thing you get out of today when you walk out of here, that you walk out of here a little straighter, a little prouder, right knowing that you are light in the lord then i believe the holy spirit's done his job because we've been walking around in darkness we still think we are in darkness and so we walk around and we behave like we're in darkness but we are in the light it continues to say then walk as children in the light for the fruit of light is not found in all that is good and right and true And, oh, sorry, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So if we're children of the light, there's fruit that's found, and we do what's pleasing to the Lord. Now, this isn't about rules, right? This isn't about some checklist. This is about being a light bearer. I carry light with me. So then what is it that pleases the Lord? Well, that's your homework for today. Just Google scriptures about pleasing the Lord. And do you know what you're going to find? You're going to find faith. God loves it when you have radical faith. God loves it when you have a little bit of faith. He loves your faithfulness. You're going to find that he loves it when you worship him. He loves obedience. He loves your obedience. He loves your surrender, right? We sing about it like we did today, but are we living it out when we walk out those doors, right? What is pleasing to the Lord? It's our faith and it's our worship, our surrender. It's our vulnerability with him, letting him into the tender places where we don't want to let anybody. It's bearing fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, like it says in Galatians 5. And then it continues on in verse 11 to say take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness but instead expose them for it is shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret and we know this we live in a world where it is shameful to speak of some of the things that are done in secret isn't it but when anything is exposed by the light it becomes visible For anything that becomes visible is light. You see, this isn't about just not doing a thing. This is about exposing them, exposing the darkness in our lives, exposing the sin, exposing the bad habits, exposing the shame and the lies and the deceit and the gossip. It's not about just avoiding the works of darkness. It's about exposing them in our lives why? Because that's when then light can come in, right? The scripture is like, then light can come in, then it can be visible. The light can light it up. And what does light do? It redeems, right? It redeems a situation. It brings hope. It brings joy. It brings love. It brings all of the fruits of the Spirit. But first, Paul says, we have to expose those things. We have to get honest with ourselves. We have to expose our bad habits. Therefore, it says... Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully at how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Are the days evil right now? Yeah, the days are evil. If you're just not too sure, let me just affirm that for you. The days are evil. And Paul says, therefore... And Paul's saying this to the church of Ephesus, but he's saying it to you, and he's saying it to me. He's like, therefore, do not be foolish. Do not. Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the will of the Lord is. You see... When Paul's talking in this scripture, uh, people could sometimes misunderstand this piece about a o sleeper and rise from the dead, and they could assume that Paul is talking to an unbeliever, that this is talking about the point of salvation, right, a point of redemption. But the reason we read this big chunk of scripture is to remind us of the context, right? We know that Paul is talking to the church of Ephesus, He's talking to a body of believers. He's talking to you, and he's talking to me. He's talking to people just like us, right? And so Paul wouldn't be, like, talking to us about Jesus and then all of a sudden change and start talking to us about Jesus like we don't know Jesus, right? Like, why would he do that? He wouldn't. It would be, like, me talking to you, right, explaining, talking about Jesus and how much we love him, and all of a sudden I shift and I start explaining Jesus like you don't know Jesus, And you'd be like, yo, dude, like, I know Jesus, like, right? You don't have to explain it that way. Like, I know who he is. So we have to keep it in context. Paul is talking to believers, right? He's talking to Christians. He's talking to the church. And he's saying to them, you're sleepy. You're sleepy. You're falling asleep, right? You're numb. You're numb to the things that are going on around you that you need to be keenly alert to and sensitive to, and you're numb and you're sleepy. And he's addressing a very particular problem in this text, right? There was a drowsiness, and they had become accustomed to the world that they lived in. They didn't find the tone of the culture they were living in unusual anymore, Anybody connect with that statement. There they were Christians who were at home with their culture. And these things grieved the Lord. Right? They watch Netflix and they watch things on Netflix that they knew would grieve the Lord. But it was like they didn't even really notice anymore, right? Because Well, my friends are doing it. Culture is doing it. Everyone's talking about that show, so, you know, I can watch it. I want to be able to talk about it with my friends, so I'll watch that thing, right? They were laughing at jokes at work that were inappropriate and they knew they shouldn't be laughing at. They were making excuses for bad behaviors, for bad habits. They were sloughing off a moral compass. Let me say, Canada does not have a moral compass right now like this right it's all over the place there is no absolute moral compass anymore and Paul is trying to help this Christian um, body of believers this family to see and to understand and and to be aware that this pressure of culture on them has made them sleepy and it's like a lullaby and it's lulled them to sleep and Holy Spirit is speaking through Paul to that church and to our church, to all of us, right? Have we grown indifferent? Have we become careless with the things that we're putting in our mind, right? The things that are that we hold most dear, the things that are most precious to us, like our family and our homes, and our heart and our mind and our friends and our community. Are we sleepy? To guarding and protecting these things in our life and that's the point Paul's like wake up wake up sleeper wake up see what's going on around you in culture right and there is a right way and a wrong way to come out of apathy and so often we have watched Christians and churches retreat So what they think is that the world is bad, so I need to back up farther and farther and farther into the church, right? I need to get as far into the church as I can and close those doors because I don't want the world to get me, and I don't want the world to influence me. And so we back up and we back up and we back up into the church. And we've watched this happen. And when we're way back there, that's where cults are birthed. Right? Right? That's where there's some, like, weird stuff going on back there. Why? Because Jesus said to us in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations. Well, if I'm way back there and all the doors are closed and I'm scared to be out there, how am I making disciples of all nations? It's because it's not what Jesus called us to do, is it? He said, right, he was in the world but not of the world we're in the world but not of the world and how many times have we come to church and just thought I feel so far away from God I feel so far away from God and I don't know what happened oh I don't even know the last time I read my Bible and I don't know what happened church is really boring and I don't know what happened right This is what we do so often. You see, Spurgeon says to us, this sleepiness in the Christian is exceedingly dangerous because he can do a great deal while he is asleep that will make him look as if he were quite awake. Are you getting that? We can speak and walk and hear and sing and lift our hands and pray and do a whole lot of things, yet be spiritually asleep. Spurgeon also says, The person who is asleep does not care about what becomes of his neighbors. How can he while he's asleep? Oh no! Some of you Christians do not care whether souls are saved or damned. It is enough for them if they are comfortable. If they can attend a respectable place of worship and go with others to heaven, they are indifferent about everything else oh gateway let's not be indifferent about everything else let's not be comfortable with each other just come on into church and think I'm gonna sit in my same chair that I always sit in because I want to be comfortable and I want my coffee the way I always have my coffee because I want to be comfortable right And I'm gonna leave here and I'm not gonna tell anybody what they talked about or what they sang about because I just want to be comfortable oh church let's not be comfortable Let's not be comfortable. All right, let's look at another passage in Matthew 13. Jesus is sharing this parable, and it's the parable of the weeds. And he says here, starting in verse 24, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, there's the sleeping word again, his enemy came and sowed weeds or tares among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, uh, then the weeds also appeared. And so the weeds of the enemy were, the, it was called a tear. Lots of translations are going to say a tear, And it's a small little seed that resembles wheat. So when it grows up, it's really hard to tell the difference between the two unless you're a, a very established, experienced farmer. And then, of course, you're going to be able to know the difference, right? But the tare, the weed, is a counterfeit. It's a deception, right? It looks like the wheat, but it's not the wheat. It's slick, and it's sneaky, and it's almost unnoticeable. And if I was to ask you, what is the problem in this parable right? You would probably say, it's the enemy, right? The enemy is the bad guy, and he is the problem. And here's my thought. Yes, he's the bad guy, but the problem isn't the enemy. The problem is that the workers were sleeping. If the workers had not been sleeping, they would have been able to defend the field against the enemy, wouldn't they? The problem isn't the enemy. The problem is that we're sleeping, the problem is that we're not awake. And this isn't a literal sleeping that they're talking about in the scripture. You're allowed to sleep, okay? <laughs> Tonight when you go home, I want you to go to bed. <laughs> go to sleep and get good rest. Rest in the name of the Lord, right? But this is talking about a spiritual sleeping. We're sleepiness We're sleepy, and when we're sleepy, we don't notice the weeds that are being planted in our spiritual life, and those weeds, what do they do? They choke out the plans that God has for us. And you know, when I read this, like I'm sure with you, you, you've read this so many times, right? But when I read this, it was like I read verse 25 for the very first time. It says, notice, all the enemy had to do was plant a little seed and he didn't even have to stay he planted it and left you guys ever notice that It was like the first time i ever noticed that he planted it and left he was so sure that he just had to plant it and he didn't even have to stay he didn't have to tend it he didn't have to water it he didn't have to work it but he knew that that thing was going to grow you see the enemy plants the seed And we take it from there don't we (laughs) we don't even need the enemy to stay and help us out how many times is the enemy planted in our minds that we are unworthy he just plants the seed he plants the thought that you are unworthy that you are unequipped that you don't deserve to be here and before you know it and he's gone you're in a pit thinking desperate despairing, horrible things because the enemy planted it and you took it and ran with it, right? And we look around in our mess and we think, like, where did all these weeds come from? Where did all these ideas come from, right? I'm in the light, right? I, I belong to the Lord. That's my identity. You see, the enemy just has to plant the seed and he doesn't even have to stay. And I wonder, does that describe you? did you come to church feeling right so far from God and you're wondering where did these weeds come from how did I even get here how did I get so far away from God and being on track with him being intimate with him being connected to him again it's not religion it's not about rules How did I get so far away from being in an intimate relationship where I listen and I hear and I obey the voice of God? You see, what we do so often is that we look at the results of our life, right? And we need to look at what are we connecting to as the source of our life, right? If you're only looking at the results, And not with the original sources then you're going to wonder how did this happen how did i get these weeds how did i get these thoughts how did i get into a pit of despair and depression how did that all happen if it's all about a list like oh today i prayed check uh today i read my bible check today i helped somebody check right then it's all about results and it's not about relationship with the god, with our god and he wants to be your source he doesn't want you to come and read the word of god because you're checking it off your daily list he wants you to come and read the word of god because it's your daily bread because you know it's your daily bread and you know you can't make it through the day without that daily bread You know you need to talk to him because if you don't, you're just going to get yourself into a mess and it's going to be weed after weed and thought after thought that's planted by the enemy and he don't stick around for you. He's off, but you're running. You're running with those ideas, right? You see, your life is springing from somewhere. We're all plugged into something, (laughs) right? We all have a soil. We all are like a garden. We all have a place that we are plugged in. We all have life springing from somewhere. And if it is, you know, not if, but for all of us, we have images and ideas and thoughts that are planted into our heart and our mind every single day when you're looking and when you're not looking when you're alert and when you're not alert when you're aware and when you're not aware and if you're not paying attention and you don't have a source that's God how are you gonna be able to discern what's what's from the enemy what's a weed what's a truth that's built on the concrete foundation of Christ right if you're not plugged into a source how are you gonna be able to tell the difference because friends The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and he will deceive you. He will come looking like God in order to get your attention and to deceive you. So where is your life springing from? You know, a man and a woman uh, get married, and they're at the altar, and they're sharing their vows with one another. Do you think at that point that it's running through their mind, I can't wait for one day where I'm going to have an affair and I'm going to rip the heart out of the person who's standing across from me. I'm going to destroy their trust. And I'm going to annihilate them because I'm going to betray our marriage bed. Do you think anybody stands on an altar and does that? No. <laughs> Nobody does. But seeds get planted over time that are weeds That are ideas that are thoughts that slowly can become actions and behaviors if we are not plugged into a source and we're able to discern oh no no that's a weed that's a thought of the enemy and I need to get that out of my marriage now before that becomes something but we have to be plugged into a source do you think any young adult wakes up and and says you know I feel like today's a good day to declare bankruptcy. Yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to rack up every credit card I can possibly get. I'm going to get every student loan that they'll possibly give me. I'm going to buy a brand new truck with like all the chrome, all the bells and all the whistles. I'm going to take all my friends out to the keg for supper and we're going to go shopping and shopping and shopping. Do you think a young person wakes up and thinks they're going to do all of that? No, of course they don't but it's bad decision, bad decision. It's weed, it's weed, it's weed, right? And if we're not plugged into a source, we can't tell the difference. Is this a good decision? Because the enemy is gonna tell you it's a good decision to use use your credit card and use your credit card and use your credit card and rack up debt. The enemy is gonna tell you that. And God's gonna say to you, be responsible, live within your means, right? Give back to God first, Give glory to God in all the things that you do. See, if we're not plugged into a source, we can't tell the difference between all of those things that are going to be planted in our minds. And, and honestly, church, they're going to be planted, right? You're going to see those images. You're going to go into Pine Center Mall. There's pornography all over the place, right? Like, you're going to see those things. So if you're plugged into a source then you're going to be able to discern those things and not be spiritually asleep. You see, when we're spiritually asleep, it opens up our home. And if you are single, live by yourself, or you got 10 kids, or you're a grandparent, your home is your home. And when we're spiritually asleep, we open up places for the enemy to come into our spiritual home. And it's kind of like bringing hell into our home right and we say like i'm struggling i'm struggling in my marriage and my friendships and my kids and and maybe you're creating environments in your home that reflect god but but maybe you're not and i'm just saying what paul is saying wake up oh sleeper be alert what are you plugged into what are your kids plugged into what are your kids plugged into on their computers on their phones right? If we're finding difficulty in finding purpose in life, I ask you, what are you plugged into? What is your source, right? Because Gateway Church is not your source, okay? Gateway Church is not your source. God is your source. The reason we come here together, right, is to remind each other, that we need to be alert, that we need to be aware. We come to inspire one another and encourage each other, like, don't give up, you can do this, right? We come to be in the presence of the Lord, right? This is why we come together, but this is not our source. It's God our Father who's our source. And so I'm asking you, are you okay with the enemy stealing your time? and your thoughts, and your motives, your money, your children, your husband, your wife, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your joy, your freedom, your purpose, your dreams. You see, and let's not back up and back up and back up and try and control those things in our lives. That's that's not what we're talking about, right? We're talking about giving God opportunity to sow his good things into our lives, step by step. Because church, no one day of devotions is going to change your life. It's just not. One day will not change your spiritual life other than your day of salvation, of course. That's the one that's going to change your life forever, right? No single church service is going to feed you for a lifetime, no single worship song is going to fix your marriage. No single one prayer time is going to solve all your problems. That's not the way sowing works, right? And just like the enemy, he likes to sow, right? He likes to plant the weed and then leave. Wait, where do you think he got the planting idea from? He got it from God, right? Right? because the enemy is a copycat. He doesn't have original thoughts. He copies God the Father. And you see, God the Father set it up that he would plant these things in you, and it's called spiritual formation. That step by step and seed by seed, you're growing patterns and habits in your life so that what? You're connected to a source. So that when you see those images, when those things come in, you're connected to a source, right? I, oh, I know, I, I know what the Word of God says. It says, no unwholesome talk should come out of my mouth. I better walk away from that gossipy conversation at work. But i got to know the Word of God, and if I don't, there's this incredible tool. It's called Google. Like, honestly, do you know how much I Google Scripture? I can't always have Marlene Lafon with me, you know, helping me with where scripture is found in the Bible. And I know a lot of them, but there's there's a lot of scriptures. And I Google it. What's wrong with that? Nothing, right? I need the sword of the spirit. I need the word of God. That's what's going to cut through the situation. You see, God doesn't plant and run. He plants the seeds and then he stays with us, doesn't he? He is the opposite of the enemy. Isn't that beautiful? He doesn't plant and go. He plants and he cares for you. He waters you. He tends you. He loves you. He nourishes you. Like Just think of yourself as like a little baby plant. He nourishes you. Every single day, he's spraying the water on you to make sure, and he's turning you in front of the sunlight to make sure you're getting all the sun. That's God, our Father. He loves you. He plants and he stays, right? And that's why we gather together so we can inspire and encourage one another. We want our homes filled with the vibrancy of God. I know if I asked every single one of you, you'd all be like, yep, yeah, I'll take some of that. I'll take some of that heaven in my home. Yes, I want the vibrancy of God in my home. Yes, I do. Well, if you're single, you live alone. My daughters always say, single and ready to mingle. (laughs) If you're single and ready to mingle, or if you've got 10 kids, or you're an older adult, you're a grandma, grandpa, a mom, a dad, an aunt, an uncle, a student. If you're a working young adult, it's, it's the call that Paul is giving to every single one of us. Are we going to fall asleep and wait for the weeds? Because the weeds will come. Or are we going to wake up and do something different? You know, people often ask Dwayne and I how we raised three amazing young people. And it was funny because somebody before the service just said those words to me, like, how did you raise such amazing children? And so Dwayne and I, our first initial response, just in in joking, is that it was an experiment that went right. (laughs) Like, it really was. And church, I don't say this as any set any voice of a victim, not at all. But I got to tell you, Dwayne didn't come from a good home. There was a lot of brokenness. There was a lot of mess. There was a lot of stuff going on in that home, and he didn't come out of that home knowing how to be a dad, knowing how to be a good, strong, man of character, godly dad. He didn't know. It wasn't modeled for him. He had to learn those things. I had a pretty great family, but I didn't come out with a whole lot of that equipment either. I didn't really know, but you know what I did know? Is I knew that, that the word of God would have answers for me that the Bible would have answers and that God the Father would teach us and would parent us. And so we, we read um, all the parenting books that we could possibly find that were Christian-based, Christian-viewed, because we didn't want to just take a chance. We joke about an experiment, but it's really not an experiment. Our children and raising and parenting them was very intentional, very purposeful. And we didn't get it all right Trinity's taking a psychology degree and we joke it's so that she can help straighten us out <laughs> you know like we didn't we didn't get it all right but here's the thing Ephesians 5 15 when we go back to that opening scripture it says look carefully then how you walk that's one thing we did we were careful how we walked in front of our kids and when we made mistakes we went to them and we asked them to forgive us we repented And we asked for their forgiveness we acted as wisely as we possibly could in our own version (laughs) and we watched how we did life in front of them it also says in verse 17 do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is and you know that was something that we really wanted to um, to foster in our home was a place of worship a place where our kids would hear and listen and know how to hear, listen, and obey the voice of God. And so I just wanted to share with you um, these 10 different environments that we used as a framework in our home because our homes don't have to be hell. We can invite heaven into our homes. And you know, if you have teenagers, actually if you have young kids, I just want to say to you right now, that you don't have to have difficult teenagers. You just don't. We decided when our kids were in preschool, we were going to have fantastic teenagers. We just decided it. And we decided we were going to have great communication with them. And we decided we were going to be authentic with them. And we decided we were going to tell them about the realities of what it was like for us as teenagers when we did a whole lot of destructive things. And we are so fortunate, so fortunate that our kids, heard those things and followed those things you see it was important to us to create an environment where we invited heaven into our home right we want our homes to be filled with God's presence with God's voice with holiness with sanctification with righteousness right these are the things that we want well I want to share with you this resource and I don't want you just to turn it off because it's a parenting book. Because honestly, if you are a single young adult, I'm saying buy this book and read this book. Create these environments. Give room for these environments to be in your home. And I'm gonna run through them really quick. And this is from um, Dr. Michelle Anthony, and it's called Spiritual Parenting. And the first one she talks about is responsibility, that God has entrusted us with things and people that he's created around us, right? So we created a responsible home where our kids were a part of being responsible, but they were responsible also to their church community, to their school community, to their sports communities. Second one was out of the comfort zone. And you know, I loved watching this one, that as God uh, was transforming them, that they have done some bold things. They've gone on mission trips, they've believed, for finances to be able to go on mission trips, they've done some incredible things out of their comfort zone. Serving. We ask this question what needs to be done? And if you see my kids, they'll be the ones stacking the chairs, they'll be the ones setting out the tables. Why? Because we created environments where together we looked and saw what needs to be done and then we did it. We modeled love and respect. We are storytellers. Our dinner table is usually an hour long or two. I don't even know some nights because we tell stories. We go around and we share our highs and our lows. We talk to each other about what's really going on in our lives. We tell stories. We tell stories about what God is doing and God in our lives. We know God. He knows us. Our identity in a world where the The culture wants to tell us all the time what our identity is and is not. We created environments where our kids would would know that they belong to God and that God loves them. We encouraged a faith community. we've always been a part of a church since they were born they've been in church, and they know that that you care for them and they care for you, they participate they want to know your lives and people have often said i I can have a conversation with your teenagers like how is that well because they grew up in church and in community course correction right having we're off track and we need to get back on track and that's course correction and the last one was modeling seeing christ in others so that they could see christ in me These were environments that we provided in our home. And so the reason I wanted to go through this list, and maybe you've had a chance to write them down, maybe you're going to buy this book, maybe you're going to Google it, the 10 environments. These aren't just environments for parenting. These are environments for spiritual formation these are environments for all of us to grow in christ because i think sometimes and and i'm not belittling this but we say like we want to hear god we want to listen to god and we want to obey god but sometimes we need a little bit more than that right like how do i practically do that how do i bring heaven into my home how do i really do that right we create environments where god is let loose in our homes right God's word is let loose. The Holy Spirit is present and invited and welcomed into our homes. And we put these things into practice. And so church, I'm so proud of you. I hope that today that you maybe have felt like, ooh, I have been feeling sleepy. I have been feeling complacent. I don't look any different than the world and I want to. There's just one source. And his name is jesus christ and he is a good good father and a good good gardener and he wants to plant seeds in you i want to ask um actually i'm going to ask kenton and brian and cam to come on up and uh we are going to take a few minutes and we're going to pray for our moms and our women on this beautiful day we just want to honor you we love you. We're so thankful that you are a part of the Gateway family, and we just couldn't do this without you. We're so thank- I'm so thankful that God has designed family in this way, right? It's just beautiful how he has designed it. So I'm going to pass it on to these guys. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Pastor Kimmy. I remember through my grade school waking up pretty much every morning and the first thing that I would hear would be my mother singing in the kitchen as she prepared for the day and um, she didn't do that for me. She did that so she could center her, her spirit and her soul on Christ for the day but those songs are a part of who I am today. And I don't even remember the words that she sang. I really don't. But I remember the voice. And I remember my mom connecting with God as she got ready for the day. And I think as, as moms, it's, it's really easy to, uh, to focus on the things that you must do and to focus on the things that you maybe do, that you figure you could do better. Um, but God gave you exactly your kids for a reason. And he has allowed you to speak into their hearts and into their spirits in ways that you don't even know. And this is the truth of it. It's not a mistake. If you wake up in the morning and think, oh, geez, I'm not good enough for these kids today, that is a lie. God has given you kids and given you the anointing to nurture them and to raise them in a way that will glorify him. In Proverbs, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. We don't have to be perfect to see God move. We want to speak to mothers. You know, we're fathers in this house, and for the last two weeks, we've been praying for the mothers in this house that there would be an impartation today. This is Mother's Day, and it's great to acknowledge mothers, but what we're praying for is an impartation of the Spirit of God that the days going forward that the mothers in this house would have anointing and power and strength to do what they need to do. And we recognize that there are people here who have had miscarriages and have had children and then have lost them. We recognize that there are some that have not been able to have children that have wanted children desperately. And we know that the anointing of God can come on those people and they can spiritually mother people. And we recognize that today as well we also recognize that there are many single mothers in this house and we recognize and exhort you and recognize that many times you're in a place where you haven't asked for this you're in a place position where you are doing the best that you can Guess, guess what your best is not good enough but you serve a God who is so far beyond our weaknesses and our circumstances so much bigger so open your hearts as we as we are going to speak a bit more to you and pray that God imparts his power for these days ahead. Mm, thank
2: you, Kenton. Yeah. I just wanted to start out maybe with saying thank you to the moms in our church. I can't imagine the chaos and what would happen if moms weren't working 168 hours a week, not 40, not 80, but every hour of every day. I thank you for that. A mother gives birth to a child, raises a child with care and affection. Mums encourage comfort, guide and challenge us. They listen with compassion, speak with wisdom, and lead with love. I think I can't imagine the, the amount of uh, effort that has had to go in for mums over this last couple of years, especially with COVID and all that's gone on. It's really put a burden, I think, on on our whole society, but I think especially on moms. I mean, kids not going to school and being home all day long, and all of the, uh, the stuff that's had to go, that's gone on. I think I, uh, I just, you know, I'm hoping that we could pray that that you'd be strengthened to move on in, in the calling that God's put on your life. And uh, I th- Chris shared with me a, a sermon here the other day, and I was just, I was kind of blown away with the. Uh, I want to find the name of it it was a less perfect mother was the name of the sermon and I thought whoa that's a little different but it it really did shine some light on some things that I think the moms take on too much pressure to to be responsible for their kids and and God ultimately will take care of our kids we know that nobody was ever saved by good parenting nobody was ever lost by bad parenting Salvation's from the Lord, and it's by grace. And I just think, you know, how, how great is it to be appreciated? Well, we appreciate you, moms. I think as a dad, I've watched my wife walk through mothering for many, many years, and, I, and I've just so admired how a mom looks at her children compared to how a dad. I, I'm always looking for, I want to see them succeed. Mom wants to see them smile and, and just, you know, appreciates them for who they are. And we just thank you, mums. And uh, Cam's just going to take a few minutes to pray.
3: Um, January 2nd, 2021, I woke up first thing in the morning. My heart was beating. And I had uh, um, Jerem, Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. And all I got was that. I didn't know the scripture. So I went and looked it up and um, I wrote it in my journal on, on in a Word document and uh, thought about it a little bit not honestly too significantly and then this year January 2nd same time woke up again heart beating, same scripture and I'm like okay I'm going to go put that in my journal and then I'm thinking there's something about this I remember from last year so I opened up the old document, go control F to search it, type in Isaiah. The very first word in that 2021 document on January 2nd, the same day, same time, was this scripture. It reads, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing, and it shall, now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. There's a whole bunch of things that we could unwind here, but what I want to do is, is just focus on moms and kids and kids and moms. Um, do not remember the former things. You could have had relationships with your mom or your kids that did not work out well for you. But the whole point of this scripture to me, nor consider the things of old, don't live back there. Do not go back there. If there's, if there's a great memory, I had a great birthday when I was seven, hey, fantastic. But you don't dwell there. It's just a good memory that's back. And there can be memories that we have that are uncomfortable, but you can't live there. If you live there, you're not going this way. You're not hearing God's voice. You're not living the life that he intends you to be. So this is a bit of a, maybe a bit of a cautionary word. If you've had struggles with your relationship with your mom or your kids, depending on how, which way, um, that's not where you dwell. You dwell in, Lord, what would you have for me today? And be praying to, for that situation if it's not mm-hmm. resolved in your heart. Uh, but don't, don't live in, in a place right. that's uncomfortable. That's, mm-hmm. that's not his intention for you. So I just wanted to bring that word to you. And I've shared that word not just in this circumstance, but with I'm sure 100 people at work and all kinds of places just because it feels very relevant to me. And that's where he's speaking to me right now so we're gonna be uh i think we're gonna pray for you guys uh for moms heavenly father i just thank you so much so much for this this group of incredible people who labor continuously um, mentally emotionally spiritually with their families it's a it's an unending job uh, there's even moms who maybe don't have actually kids of their own that are still mothers to other people. And they've coached and mentored and encouraged and blessed. I know there's people in this body in that situation. So I just pray, Father, a blessing on moms. Moms with kids, moms who are moms, who have had a fundamental, a fundamental part in building the body of Christ raising up the next generation, teaching them, imparting to them um, the way that the Lord would have them go. This is invaluable. And I'm glad we have a day at least once a year to remember and to bless them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.
1: Yeah, God, and I just want to pray courage. I want to speak courage over the moms here today and online courage to do exactly what this scripture says to look forward and to recognize that your spirit is working through them and developing them exactly in the way that you have planned and i pray that there would be courage to hear your word courage to obey your word courage to lead with posture and with joy in jesus name
2: Lord I just I, I so thank you for the institution of motherhood Lord, that you created it that you knew as humans as people we needed mothers to speak into our lives. Lord, I pray you'd strengthen the mothers today to be the mothers you've called them to be. I thank you Lord for all the mothers in our church Lord I just pray that you just continue to strengthen them, give them good words of wisdom to speak into their children's lives Lord and uh, We just uh, remember you this morning. We, uh, We pray that you would just bring the mothers into our minds that we need to encourage, and we just pray you bless every one of them this morning.
3: Amen.